My guest today is senior editor Phil Kohler. My name is Charlie Hall, in for Justin McElroy. You're listening to Polygons, Quality Control. So, Phil, a lot more ink has been spilled over this game, Neo, than probably, would you say, any other review in Polygon's history? I don't know about any other, but it, it, it's certainly, in terms of just raw word count, it is one of the longer reviews that we have ever published on our website, certainly. And I want to get into kind of the process that you guys went through, because both you and Arthur Gies went through and, and had a whack at the game and then actually kind of talked about it in the review. But introduce folks who might not be familiar with what Neo is. Yeah, so Neo is a uh, third-person action RPG Um if you're familiar with the Dark Souls series, which obviously um, has become very popular over the last few years, Neo takes a lot of a lot of its cues from that series. It's it's really hardcore. It's really it's the type of game where you're going to die a lot when you're playing it, um, or your character in the game is going to die a lot. I guess I should say uh, you're you're not going to be able to get through this one unless you're extremely extremely talented. You're not going to be able to get through the game with with you know very little trouble you need to really work to master the mechanics you need to die over and over and work your way back through levels that you've uh that you've already been through um but with better understanding of what's happening in those levels and how you can overcome it um it's it's very much that type of game that's about mastery over a long stretch of time now at times game code will arrive at polygon you know, sometimes on the day a game releases. More often than not, though, especially for high-profile titles like this one, we'll get that game code ahead of time. Um, how how much lead time did you have before the public release of this game to play? <laughs> not as much as I would have liked. Um, we had, I, I want to say, about we had about a week from the embargo time for the game. Um, and then we had about, uh, gosh, what, uh, about nine days from the actual release of the game. Um, so the embargo time was, the embargo date was a couple of days before release. Um, okay. and you know, in some cases a week is plenty of time, right? In with some games, uh, with, with, let's say like a, you know, like an eight hour shooter, that also has a multiplayer side. You can probably in a week squeeze in enough of of both the single player and multiplayer to write your review. Um, but this is, you know, like I said, this is a very challenging action RPG. It's an extremely deep game. It's extremely long. Um, I would I would estimate that the average player it's going to take at least at the at the minimum sixty hours to complete this game. Um, so it was a it was a tight deadline. It was not easy. <laughs> Yikes. And that this is one of those games, this, you know, this third person action adventure genre is one of those genres that really requires the player to develop a lot of skill at the game, right? It's not like you can just kind of wade through it and soldier on like it will put up some roadblocks for you and, and prevent you from progressing. Yeah, there were definitely multiple points throughout the review process where both Arthur and I uh, 
at different points, not always at the same points, we would hit like, let's say just a boss that for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't gel with our play style. And we would just, it, it's like hit, it's like running your head against a wall over and over. It's like, it's like, I cannot beat this boss. You know, we would go to each other and be like, how did you complete this, this one? Because I can't do it. And then it would just, you know, usually the idea would be like, well, there's a weapon type that works better against this boss or you're, you need to change up your style. Maybe it's a boss that instead of staying far away from it, you actually need to be up close and in its face. And that's the best way to take it down. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there was a lot of challenge like that. A lot of, uh, of having to do the same thing over and over. And you know, that on top of being under a deadline, it's, it's a lot of pressure. The way that you guys created this review, and of course I'll link to it in our show notes, I thought was really in- interesting. It started out with with just a little preamble of introducing readers to the game, somewhat as we have done today on the podcast. But then it went into this conversational format where Arthur would speak and then you would speak and the two halves of the article are color-coded. How did you guys go about the process of writing this review in that format? Yeah, I mean, we've had these kind of conversational reviews before. Um, not with Arthur and I, I don't think, but uh, we have had two people reviews before. And there, basically, there's two different ways that we've done this in the past. We've done where we just split the review in half and we have, here's the section by Phil, here's the section by Arthur or whoever the, the authors might be. And then we've done this kind of conversational um, style. And in general, um, I mean, I think there's different cases where it works better one way or the other but in general i think the conversational style is a little more interesting to read um it just looks a little nicer and it's it's easier to pull the reader through it so we prefer doing that um the the other nice thing about that conversational style is it's actually almost easier to write that than than to write a regular solo review right because you can kind of build off of each other um so Arthur and I, to write this review, we literally just opened a Google Doc. We both went in this Google Doc, and, uh, you know, he started off with um, with the first paragraph, and then I just kind of took his cue and wrote the next couple of paragraphs, and then we just bounced it back and forth for, you know, it probably took us an hour and a half or so to, to get all of this out. And, I mean, this is like a something like almost 3,000 words, so to get that much <laughs> out in an hour and a half is incredible that's that's i would say personally at least way way faster than i normally write um which speaks again to just sort of the the naturalness of that that conversational style um it's something that we definitely like doing it's difficult to devote the amount of time that it takes to do it but uh but but it is enjoyable that's awesome. That's that's like the lower end of a feature-length story here at Polygon. Maybe as many as two or three feature-length stories at, at some of our competitors out there. That's a lot of words. And it's I encourage lot. everybody listening to the podcast to take a look at the story um, because it's really well done. I think you guys covered all of the different sides of the game. Um, and I, I want to touch on one of them in particular. This game is the kind of the design thesis, one of the goals that the folks over at Team Ninja had when they when they first announced this game was they were going to take this Dark Souls game style and they were going to meld it with Ninja Gaiden. So that that gets a lot of people's <laughs> interest yeah. up. That brings together some two very hardcore communities of gamers. 
Yeah. How was that accomplished in the game, and were they successful? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Team Ninja, of course, this is the the developer that uh, that created Ninja Gaiden that made it very popular back on the Xbox. Um, and the the sort of narrative that, that Team Ninja was selling going into this game coming out was kind of... Uh, they basically said, listen, we know that we kind of lost ourselves over the last generation. You know, Ninja Gaiden came out, people adored it. Ninja Gaiden 2 maybe maybe had some issues, but people still loved it. And then from that point on, people sort of fell out of love with Team Ninja, and everything that they were doing was uh, very either either mediocre or poor, straight up poorly received, where people thought it was just awful. Um, and they said, with Neo, we, we took our time, we took a step back, and we said we wanted to basically rediscover ourselves and show the world that that we could do a great game again um, by going back to our, our roots. Uh, not necessarily rebooting the Ninja Gaiden series, right? But but certainly taking cues from Ninja Gaiden. Um, the way that's accomplished in the game is uh, basically that this is a much more... I would say it's a faster game than than uh, than the Souls games in general, um, and and also like a more mechanically demanding game. Um, obviously, the Souls games are already very mechanically demanding, um, but this this game uh, you have multiple stances with each weapon. Um, there's three different stances you can choose at any time, basically, and you you need to be able if you're gonna. If you're going to really succeed, especially against the harder bosses and the harder enemies and the harder levels, you need to be able to swap between those stances on the fly, constantly, you know, be able to switch to whatever it is you need in any given situation. You can also swap between two different weapons at any time. So if you're getting really good, you're you're not only swapping stances, but you're also switching to a different weapon as you're swapping stances and using that to, like, continue your combo so that you uh, you really destroy this enemy and don't give them an opening to attack you at all. Um, so I I would say, by and large, they are successful. Um, I would say if you're going into this as a fan of Ninja Gaiden who has no interest in the Soul series, you might be a little bit disappointed because it's it's obviously it's it's still different from Ninja Gaiden. Um, you're not jumping around. Um, you're very the combat's still very grounded. There's a lot of blocking and dodging, um, much more so than there was in the Ninja Gaiden series. Um, but you can you can still see where it takes some of that influence. Now, a lot of the Dark Souls games have a kind of multiplayer feature to them. How does Neo incorporate multiplayer into its design? Uh, so it's really interesting. Um, there is no traditional player versus player multiplayer in Neo. Uh, what you can do is, as you're as you're running through a level, you'll see the sort of gravestone markers left by players who have died. Um, and what you can do with those markers is you can uh, you can summon in sort of a a ghost of that player and fight them. Um, but but it's just AI controlled. It's not the actual player themselves, right? Oh, but there is multiplayer for co-op. Um, and it's actually, I think, done a little bit better than than Dark Souls in the sense that it's much easier to get into a multiplayer game. Um, because Neo is level-based, it's not an open world, um, basically any time that you're out in the, the overworld map choosing which level you want to go to next, 
you can just choose this option in your shrine that says, I want to jump into a co-op match. I want to go help somebody. And it will search and find anybody who's looking for a co-op partner on any level that you've completed already. And then you will just jump in and help them. Um, you don't need to, like, in Dark Souls, you always needed to be in the spot where somebody was asking for help, right? You needed to find their summoning sign. Here, it's it's so much more open, and it, you know, from the time that the game came out, I've had no trouble finding any co-op at any time. It's it's really fun. That's awesome. Well, also the the multiplayer, how to even summon one in a summon someone in a Dark Souls game was this opaque thing that I don't know. I imagine some players never even figured out. But this is really it's part of the game experience. Is it like in the menu system, or is it once you've started the game up, you you your character opens a menu? Yeah, you, so you, you go to these shrines, both on the world map and in levels themselves. And if you're if you're in a level and you go to a shrine, there's a certain item that you can offer up. Um, and if you offer up this item, you will, you'll be able to summon somebody into your game. Um, but once you've started summoning, you can leave the shrine and it will just keep looking for somebody until it's found someone. Um, so it's a very, again, it's a very natural, like, you don't need to just sit there and wait. Um, and then likewise... Uh, when you're in that world map menu, you can jump into a game anytime. You don't need to have items to jump into someone else's game. And in fact, by co-oping with other people, you you win more of the items that you can then use to summon in others to co-op with you. That so is a good of feedback a, loop. Designers yeah, exactly. Take it's a very this. good like if, if you're running low on those items and you think you're going to need some in upcoming level that you that you're having trouble with. Maybe just go co-op with some people. Not only are you going to get experience points that you can level up and be better prepared for that level, but you're also going to get the items that you need to summon people in. Well, it's it's a great review based on your and Arthur's uh, copy for that and, and impressions on that. Polygon did give it an eight, which is a really strong score, uh, and I'm I'm really excited to to take. A swing at it myself. I I I like to kind of dabble in the Dark Souls games because sure. I appreciate them. I'm not real good at them. Yeah. <laughs> but this idea with this with the stances, this sounds very interesting. I'm gonna have to give this a try, Phil. It's really cool, and I I would love to to hear how you do with it. It definitely. I mean, even as somebody who I've I've played every Souls game to completion, I adore them. Um, but even coming from that perspective, uh, this game really it really kicked my ass for a while until I. Until I uh, forced myself to to understand it, right? Like, I had to really take a step back and get it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me on Quality Control today. And thanks to you at home for listening. We've got a bunch more on Polygon.com today, including a guide to Neo, which I'll actually link in the show notes. There's also a huge guide we just put up to Resident Evil 7 as well as a few new screenshots for Netflix's Stranger Things 2. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Phil Kohler. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.